those who are more adaptive now are going to have a really big um, lead on the learning curve to those that are sort of still sitting on the sidelines. And ultimately, those reinsurers, those risk capital takers will see great benefit from this in five to 10 years. Welcome to MGA Founders Podcast with Socotra CEO, Dan Woods. Tune in each episode to hear Dan chat with innovative MGA founders to learn their stories, their challenges, and their visions. And now our host, Dan Woods. In this edition, we have James Hobson, the CEO of Attune. Attune is an insurance company driven by the technology and human insights focused on helping brokers and their clients thrive. So James, glad you can be with us here today. Thank you, Dan. Great, uh, great to be with you. Yeah, indeed. So I'm um, thinking now, I've known you for a while now. I was trying to check in our prep here. I think it's been at least four years and possibly five yeah. um, since you were um, just getting started with a tune. But for those listening, um, what tell us a little bit more about a tune. Uh, what are the products you're primarily hitting and who are you trying to hit them and how are you getting it out to them? Yeah, well, I think that I think that's right. I would say it, it's probably close to five years, Dan. I, I remember our first meeting, and I was uh, I was new to insurance then. Uh, you know, coming from the the lending space and and starting a tune, and uh, it's crazy now that I know more about insurance and have been in it for five years. I guess I'd say I'm still relatively new to insurance. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> um, our in our we are newly moved into our San Francisco office at that point. Right. Um, I think that the, the the furniture was rather sparse for that visit. Right. Yeah, it was. That was great. Yeah, but um, yeah, great. So um, at Attune, um, we focus on on one sort of very specific insurance problem, which is, you know, how do small businesses get the insurance they need um, to basically protect and run their business? Um, so that's property and casualty insurance. So think of um, property, liability, um, workers' compensation insurance for their employees. Um, that's been our focus since day one. Um, you know, I, I sort of stumbled onto that because I had come from a company called on deck where we were focused on a similar problem, which was, uh, small business lending. And, um, I really fell in love with, uh, small businesses. Then they're the backbone of the economy. I, I was able to travel around and meet a lot of them and just realized there was very similar challenges in the insurance process that there was in the, in, in, in the lending process. And just thought it was a great opportunity to to basically learn from some of the things that we did well at on deck, and and also learn from some of the things that we didn't go do, do so well, and, and restart uh, focusing on on the insurance solution for small businesses. So we're a platform today. First and foremost, uh, we make both the buying and the the post buying servicing um, incredibly easy for the customer and the broker that serves them. So really importantly, we um, we serve brokers because we think they're a really important part of that 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 customer experience that small businesses want around uh, around their insurance needs. Okay, and then um, wow, so many things to unpack there. Uh, let's start at the beginning with um, uh, before Attune. You're over at On Deck. Uh, first off, just what was on deck? I know it's something in lending, and then I'm curious to understand how that connected up. Yeah, so on deck was we 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 I joined on deck when it was probably about uh, five years old. It was started mm-hmm. with the premise that uh, kind of lending was failing small businesses, where you can think about small businesses often getting stuck in the middle between, especially in financial institutions, uh, between commercial entities where you know if you were to go to a bank. 12, 13 years ago, or you were to go to an insurance carrier six, seven years ago and say, what's your definition of a small business? They might say 50 million in revenue. 
or 25 million in revenue. And that's not the, the, the small businesses that we serve. These are businesses that maybe have on average seven employees might be doing, you know, half a million to a million a year in revenue. And <clears throat> they would get stuck between that definition and then kind of a consumer. And so on deck was started because they needed a lending product that was different than a consumer loan or a small business loan. They needed a process that was much simpler. Um, you know, if you asked a pizza shop to write a business plan, um, I would hmm. either, you know, give you kind of the, the succinct, which was sell pizza or the long, which was sell more pizza. But it's just, you know, they don't need to, to share a business plan. So um, at on deck, what we did was we built a brand new way to make a credit decision. We, we, we automated that. We went out to a bunch of third-party data sources, um, built a new credit score, and then also really importantly, built a, a brand new product, which was a short-term loan where it meant it matched the cash flow of the company. So we took out you know, daily or weekly debits from a cash flow rather than having to manage that one large payment. Um, and so it was really a, 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 a lending experience and product that was built solely for that small business owner, which was something that you know large institutions didn't do. Um, so we were able to deliver that, grow the company. We took it public um, end of 2014. So, you know, for myself, wow. it was just a tremendous experience and and one where, you know, we were able to to really focus on a customer need, build the the tech and data that was required to to serve that need, and then, you know, I, I know you're seeing it now, we're seeing it now, but go through all the different iterations of scaling a company and building mm. a company. So, uh, was just really really fortunate to be part of that and and be able to. to kind of continue on, if you will, um, when we started it too. Wow. And we'll definitely talk about scaling um, along the way here. Uh, but you, you talked about things that you learned over there. Um, what are what are some of the example things that you learned that were just really helpful lessons that benefited the tune for you to have gotten out of the way previously? Yeah, I think probably the biggest lesson for me, it's a great question, is I think sometimes we can, we as, as when I say we, those who come, um, if you think about fintech broadly, you know, there's the, the, the financial side and the technology side. And I think, um, one of the things that, again, and I was lucky to be part of this, but, but some of the early folks at, at, at on deck and, and Noah, who was our CEO that, you know, I worked with for a very long time, we did a really good job of balancing that, right? Because sometimes you might be able to technically build something, but if it's, if it's, too different than what you have today, the customer has today, or if the larger ecosystem is not yet ready to adopt it, um, uh, especially in risk-based businesses, it's really hard to, to do that. So I think that, you know, we tried some things at OnDeck that I think we kind of maybe got really excited about. But mm -hmm. if you looked at sort of the scale of, you know, if you went from going from a two to a three and you tried to go to an eight or a nine, you might be able to build it you know, you probably can build it. It's technically not that, you know, impossible to do, but is the ecosystem that you're trying to operate in the customer and everything around the customer ready to adopt that? And I think, um, we found some times where we did that and it would have been better and we would have been able to help our customer more if we had just taken maybe the next incremental step or two, mm -hmm. do that and then move on. But the customer, so the customer wasn't ready yet. There wasn't enough. Well, you, you have to think about the customer as, you know, I, you could think of a loan product where you ask no questions, right. Or an insurance product where you ask no questions. Um, the customer might be ready for that now. And this is an area where I think I thought lending was very complicated, but lending is way simpler than insurance. The number of variables, the complexity, the differences that you can have in a single policy, um, for the same type of business are, are almost infinite. So, but I think 
you know, you might be able to say, hey, customer, we can give you a, an experience that's just amazing. And trust us, everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But in in risk-based financial services, you have to get somebody to actually sign up and take that risk, right? And then you have to be able to manage that risk and you have to be able to prove to those, to those, to those partners that they should be working with you. And that's where I think it becomes um, more complicated. And um, w- what I learned was, you know, you can't, if, if, if you sit in the middle between the customer and ultimately the risk taker, you can't get too out, out of disconnect with, with either one um, because that's ultimately, and maybe it'll work for a while, but it's not going to yeah. scale and it's not going to be sustainable. Yeah, got it. So um, then the other side of that is what's something you learned in lending that you had to unlearn to be successful in insurance? What was different? Well, I think the biggest thing was... Um, you know, and I probably said this to you early on because I, I met you really early on. But I definitely thought if you were talking about us being, you know, five plus years into our journey, that we would have some form of direct offering to a small business owner, right? And that was based on everything I learned about what a great customer experience was in lending. Um, but lending, as it turns out, as I as I was just alluding to, is a much simpler product than an insurance yeah. um, uh, policy because you really had traditionally three variables in loan, right? How much will we lend to you? What's that going to cost you? And how long do you have to repay it? And then you saw with, you know, kind of the emergence of, of call it fintech and, and companies like, you know, whether it was on deck or if you look at sort of kind of like Amazon and PayPal who started embedding loans into, into their processes, there was a fourth variable, which is how are you going to repay it? Right. Um, but that's it. So those are the four variables. Now, we were able to sort of explain that not just online with somebody coming to 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 our website to apply for a loan, but but then in a very simple, you know, f- call it five minute conversation. And that would that would be enough to get the customer comfortable that this is right for their business and they can take the loan and feel good about it. Um, I, I assumed that that would be the case with insurance. And as it turns out, that's not the case. So um, we vary, I would say, quickly, kind of three, six months in to starting a tune, really trying to understand our customers and talking to small business owners about their insurance needs, about the buying process, about the, 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 the life cycle, the policy, if you will, founded that they really wanted an advisor. And, um, you know, I learned at OnDeck, it was very hard to, to try to sell somebody something and be an advisor to them, right? Like you don't go to the Honda dealership to get advice on a Toyota. You go to a Honda dealership to, 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 to buy a Honda and, you know, you might ask some questions, but you're probably going to buy You're not going to leave them anyway. <laughs> right. Exactly. So with all the complexity in terms of the different types of coverages and various limits and all these things that go into insurance that, that you know, I now appreciate, um, we, we have a strong belief that the brokers are going to be around for the long run. Um, and we can talk about it. I don't think that means brokers can be stagnant. I don't think that means a broker can be acting today the way they were acting three or four years ago and, and feel okay. The brokers are adapting and the brokers need to understand that their, their customers, small business owners want to be served differently. But that role of providing advice and being a, a, a quote unquote neutral third party, I think is a really important part of the value chain of insurance. Okay. So, um, I mean, a bold statement there about the brokers always being necessary. Although I think most people agree that there's some places where they're necessary. And I think the consensus seems to be that, um, some things will move to direct including personal lines here as well. Uh, and 
some things will just be brokers forever. And I'm wondering, where do you see the breakdown there? Is there some litmus? If it looks like this, direct's not going to work. Or if it looks like this, direct will, or it's up for grabs. I think it will come down to, um, I'm a believer, uh, maybe another bold statement. And again, I, I know um, my job is is to be you know focused on on the one problem we're trying to solve. I think as as startups and then growth stage technology companies, um, I think we benefit from the ability to be able to you know try to solve one problem and do that better than than anyone else in the world. That's that's a pretty high bar, and and you need to stay focused on that. So. Um, I couldn't tell you other than, you know, the fact that on my personal insurance, uh, the only time I ever changed my personal insurance was because I had a New Jersey provider that didn't write in Massachusetts. I changed and now I'm back with, I've been with them since 2003. I have no idea what I pay for insurance. Um, so I, I think I don't, I don't know anything about personal lines. In small business, I think what it's going to take to have a meaningful adoption of direct online insurance is a dramatic simplification of the product. Right. So if, you know, somebody wants to come out and and, and you and you've seen a little bit of this and just say, all we're going to do is insure landscapers and we're going to we're going to make it as simple as possible for that landscaper to understand that these are the four things that you need and we cover you and we have great pricing. Um, I think you could see that. And those are going to be smaller dollar transactions. Um, And I think you you can see some of that. that said, the the challenge in insurance is is the simpler you try to make the product, the you have to ensure that the, there's a delivery on that, which is you know the value of insurance is when something goes wrong, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's it's something that's a very passive product until you need it, and and if you need it and it's not there for you, that's where it really breaks down, and that's a really hard part of of product innovation as well. So. I think you've seen a lot of improvement in the customer experience. I think you've seen insurance become available um, in more places for small businesses, and I think that's great. I think I think who a broker is will continue to to adapt. It doesn't have to be just a person. Um, you've seen that play out in lending with small businesses that you know, um, as I mentioned, Amazon, um, PayPal, Square. Uh, these are some of the largest um, lenders to small businesses in the country now, mm-hmm. and it's because they have the ability to really understand that customer, understand how they want to be served and and make a really good decision that's risk-based. I think you'll see that play out in insurance mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I don't think, you know, if you think of like a restaurant and all the needs yeah. that a restaurant have and all the things that can go wrong, I don't see restaurants buying insurance online anytime soon, unless it's I, through. I also don't see restaurant owners wanting to become insurance experts no. so they can't handle it. No, they just... <laughs> The, what the broker does is a really good job of of knowing enough about the business, knowing enough about the, the insurance product to make that match. And then they provide a real value in that they provide comfort to the business owner that if something goes wrong, they have somebody to call and somebody who will advocate for them and and somebody who will help them understand what they need to do. Um, and that's that's a big part of, of the product they're buying. Yep. The other side of that, as you're alluding to, um, the things you're just describing here, this is what brokers have done since their or agents have done, you know, forever to be um part part advisor, even if there's sometimes a little yeah. conflict <clears> of <throat> interest. Um, but in what ways do they need to evolve? Things are still going to change yeah. with all the new innovations, approaches, technologies, and so forth. Um, where do you see the interaction with a broker evolving and improving for the customer? I see it. Um, 
I see it twofold and, and again, very specific to small businesses. First and foremost is being welcome and open to serving them, right? So if you think about the the primary challenge that, that we took on with brokers as we were focusing on, okay, small businesses need a better experience. Direct's not an option. So can we really improve that experience between the broker and the business owner? We thought that we could dramatically simplify it. Um, and so that's what we started focusing on. But when we started talking to brokers, we realized there was actually something that we had to do before that. We had to get them excited about writing a $3,000 insurance policy, right? Hmm. So if you think about that, the broker might walk away with, say, $300. And what were they used to? So I, saw, I talked to a lot of, of, of different brokers. And, 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 and the insurance brokerage market is incredibly fragmented, right? Um, which is actually any fragmented market is, is well set up for technology. Um, cause you know, I view, I view technology as a great equalizer, right? You can be a broker sitting in a single office in you know, the middle of call it, mm-hmm. you know, Nebraska, or you could be sitting in a Marsh or an Aon office, um, and be part of one of the largest brokerages in the world. If you access our portal, which you need the internet to do, you're going to get the exact same experience. We, we, we will treat you the same. Um, and I think that that technology is great at that. So what we, what we found though, was a lot of brokers, because the process wasn't automated or because there was a lot of friction once the policy was enforced to, you know, make sure that the, the billing was done properly or in, in, in making a change to the policy and endorsement, something like that, or even the renewal that they would say, we don't want to write, we don't want to interact with the policy unless it's above 10,000 or $15,000, right? Because we need to make a thousand dollars, not $300 scale. <laughs> and, How many meetings can you take in a week? That's exactly right. And and they were fundamentally doing about the same amount of work for the $3,000 policy and the $10,000 policy. So we went to them and said, well, if we can show you that it's only going to take a matter of minutes and maybe one phone call with the mm-hmm. customer, all of a sudden, the the economics of a $3,000 policy became attractive, right? And and it's, a, it's really a utilization problem and an efficiency problem, not a pricing problem. Um, and so, um, once we were able to get those brokers excited about it, and we, we have a lot of brokers on our platform today who are serving small businesses in their communities who before wouldn't, uh, because of the economic challenge. So first and foremost, um, it was getting them excited about it. And then when you think about that customer experience, um, nobody likes to be asked a question that you should already know the answer to. Right. So why am I asking a, a business owner about the, the you know, the, yeah. the, the masonry of their building? Why are we asking them what the square footage is? Um, you know, the, those are just things that in today's day and age, like you can go get that that data and you probably can get better data by not asking uh, them. So you can think about things about just aggregating data and then decisioning. You know, why would that not be automated for something that is relatively a commodity product? And, you know, everyone likes to talk about their special sauce. But the reality is, um, you know, we're we're issuing admitted insurance policies. Right. So those are a fairly standardized product that, um, you know, you have some variation on. So, you know, it's not just us. You're seeing the large carriers do it. We can we can simplify that experience. I think you've seen some of the newer entrants leading the way and you're seeing, you know, what I like about insurance is the incumbents are responding and they're, you know, they're improving their processes as well mm-hmm. too, which ultimately just means the tide is rising for the customer. Yeah. This experience keeps getting better and better, easier and easier. Um, you know, we, we can help you engage with your customers in ways, you know, that you can't, if you're not using our portal, those are all things that are not just about the quoting and binding of insurance, but really thinking about, you know, customer service, uh, that happens around the policy. 
Okay. Then one thing I'm curious about, you're talking about these customers that are, you know, lower premium, you say around Mm -hmm. $3,000. I'm kind of curious how that was handled previously. And um, if you can tell us what tricks you did to make make it so that the touch points, it, it became low touch enough to become economical and appealing to those agents. Yeah, I think it really get this gets down a little bit to the fragmentation of of the insurance market, right? Which is um, you have roughly call it thirty eight thousand insurance brokerages out there, um, and you know the large insurance brokerages um, are better served by carriers who are investing in technology, and and you go mm-hmm. down that, and and um, you know a lot of the large carriers have um, you know premium minimums, production minimums to get appointed. Um, so we've really been focusing on kind of the small, the, the smaller retail agent, um, uh, directly and, and they, I think had, you know, kind of a, a larger pain point than somebody who had say access yeah. to a Hartford or a traveler's policy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is not the, this is not the discussion I can, I can, I can talk about the benefits of, of, of our platform versus theirs, mm-hmm. but the reality is, you know, you, in, in the small business market, you know, you have them, they, I think, are setting the threshold for what's an okay experience, right? And this is not, you know, mm-hmm. consumer internet where if yeah. they're in 15 minutes and we're... I think you should be holding your hand on here. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're here, we're here. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's not like if we can save you five minutes, that's going to dramatically change a broker's opinion. Five minutes is okay. If we can save you five hours then we're, we're going to change the broker's behavior. And so I think before, um, again, as I said, a lot of our brokers just weren't, they were really trying to avoid small business. If they were going to do it, they, you know, people were faxing in accord mm-hmm. forms. People were going to, you know, dedicated portals where they would enter some information. Yeah. They would then get a call back from an underwriter who had some questions. They might have to call the customer again. Then they would call back. Um, and we found we were hearing on average, this is again, you know, five years ago that it could take, you know, two to, to, to four days to complete a policy uh, with some of these other carriers. So um, that's where we were able to go and say, look, we've built this where we will aggregate all the information we can on your potential customer. Um, we will only ask you for the information that we need. We'll be able to make an underwriting decision. And, you know, back then it was probably 30 seconds. Um, and then we're going to deliver you the quote. You can make changes to that quote based on coverages and, and, and price that you mm-hmm. want. This is where we've invested a lot of tools now where it's much easier today to, to kind of play with that. We'll recommend things if your customer is, is looking for a lower, uh, a lower premium. Like what are the best trades this customer might be able to make that you can talk to them about? Um, and then you can bind it instantly. Um, you know, once you, once you bind the policy, you're going to select a payment plan. Um, that is all automated then into, we take on direct bill to the customer. So we take that on for our brokers. That was a, that was a big thing that we do for them. Um, cause they don't want to, don't want to have to worry about that. And then, um, you know, lastly, but probably most importantly, um, we've made the process of renewing the policy incredibly easy for the broker and the customer. Um, so both, both of them really, really like that. So, um, I think it was about finding our, our sweet spot in the market, really embracing that small broker. Who's kind of that long tail, um, because they had a they had a, a a much more challenging time if they wanted to write a small commercial policy than than somebody who had access to the larger players. Okay, so we've covered um, the approach you're taking now, and we covered what you're doing before Attune. I'm kind of um, taking us back to kind of getting started. I understand that you have um, Attune's Genesis has a um, 
Uh, a, a, a unique story. And I also am curious, how closely did the initial vision resemble what you just described? So first off, um, how did it come together? And what, what was unique? Yeah. So I think the, the thing that was unique about what we did is we actually started with strategic investors and, and no venture, true venture money, right? Yeah. Um, which was not the world I was used to um, uh, with, with a couple prior experiences. Um, and that came out of, of a few things, which is there, you know, our initial partners were, were thinking about where there was an opportunity to use technology to improve the insurance buying experience. And, um, and I was thinking about the experience we had it on deck where, you know, you have this, you have this, um, weird paradigm in a, in a risk-based business, financial services, where the equity holders, the venture investors have all the upside and very limited downside, right? They invest capital in you. And you grow, that equity grows, and the most they can lose is, is um, you know, the amount they've invested in you. Um, in risk-based businesses, it's the, it's the exact opposite, which is as you're trying to incubate and, and, and deliver this product, and, and, and whether you're underwriting it differently or you're just underwriting it in an automated fashion, um, the risk takers, the balance sheet partners who are holding that loan or holding that insurance policies have incredibly outside downside to whatever the venture folks have invested in the company uh, and they have no upside. And so um, what I thought made sense and what we were able to do was let's create some strategic alignment between who our balance sheet partners are going to be and help us get going and those who have the equity upside. Um, so that's why we started with strategic versus financial investors. Um, and uh, sorry, I forgot this. The, there was a second part of the question, not just how we started. Well, yeah, what I was curious about is... Um, what was the initial vision and, and where yeah. did, because I mean, clearly, I mean, what I'm hearing is it's, you've thought about, you've had five years to think about this and have the insights of, of what the businesses need and what, what, um, how agents need to think about it differently, but what was the germ of it at the beginning? Yeah, I think the, the initial vision, um, was one where, um, I don't think, I think the biggest change was the direct play that we talked about, right? I mean, I think that Mm -hmm. if if you go back six or seven years ago, um, you know, there was articles being written about how brokers were, you know, were going to be extinct and and no longer needed. And, um, you know, and, and, and if you look at where we are, that really hasn't played out. I think there's, there's, you know, some who are focused on, on still going direct to small businesses. You're seeing some traction with some smaller policies, some of the simpler policies we've, we've talked about. But, you know, on a percentage basis, you know, I don't know what the exact number is, but I'd say well over 90% is still being done, you know, um, uh, through brokers in the small commercial space. So, so I think the other things are just, you know, I think directionally, I, I like to say, you know, as you're, as you're building a, a startup and especially one that's, that's driven by technology and, and, and you're learning, um, we had a goal early on, which is called failures tuition. Right, which is we have to take risks and we have to be willing to try things. And we have to be willing to understand that if everything works, that means we're not trying hard enough, right? If you're taking risks, some of those things are going to fail, but we have to learn from them. And so I think the initial vision of we can simplify the process, we can underwrite these policies better by using data and automation. Um, we can, you know, we can really sort of simplify the post buying experience. Those are all true. I think we probably focus more on the post buying now than I thought we would have. Right, that's a really important part of the process. I think um, yeah. my own two cents is that that's getting overlooked with some of the quick quoting platforms. Right, like 
those are great and they solve part of it, but you've got to get it all the way through. And, and, um, you have to have a, a technology stack that can do that. I know, I know you, I know, we, I know we know that together, but um, we know that together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, well, you this is something to- I see a lot is I, yeah. I see people in, uh, around that stage who, Hey, maybe they build a little quote and bind thing in house. And then they think, Oh, quote bind done. I got policies. I'm good yeah. for tech. And they think that they've got, you know, they think they're 80% there and they're actually like 5% there. That's right. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that's sort of, sort of something we've definitely learned. And, and, you know, I'm a big believer. If you let your customers lead the way, they'll, they'll take you to the right spot. So we're, you know, we're really, really sort of focused on hearing from our customers. We're really focused on observing our customers. Um, cause sometimes what you can see what they do and, you know, we can track every keystroke. We know when they log in. We know if somebody hasn't logged in. Um, we know when they call us. We know when they text us to our support team. So um, those are all things that I think, you know, we've really focused on. And, um, you know, I think the other thing maybe just to, to, to hit on is, um, you know, it takes a long time in insurance to prove out your, um, you know, your underwriting, right? And I think that's something that... Um, yeah. We've certainly been learning. We're lucky to have some great um, reinsurance partners uh, who really sort of have been supportive yeah. of us and, and want to go on the journey. So I think from that perspective, um, you know, it's it's really hard to scale, right? Because yeah. um, it was a little bit different than lending. And lending, the bigger you got, it meant the more proven you got, right? Because if we made a nine-month loan, you know, mm-hmm. after nine months, you knew, <laughs> Right, um, what it was going to be, or you knew what your your max loss could be. That's not the case in insurance. So, I think it's still a one year policy. I mean, at the end, the policy is done. Well, not on the liability side, um, because wow. on the liability side, you can have claims that will show up four or five years down, That's right. and then there's yeah. seasoning of there's seasoning of claims. So, um, you know, property side is is is, is quicker, and, and you can have a better sense. But on the right. comp and liability side, it's there's certainly long tails, and mm-hmm. I think that you know the um, the bigger you get in some sense, the more challenging it can be to yeah. to get that reinsurance capital and capacity behind you. So I think we've we've yeah. really been fortunate to have some good partners and to be able to learn with them. Um, but we've really taken their feedback and and have tried to understand mm-hmm. sort of where we sit in the ecosystem. So not just how can we be a great partner to the broker and the customer, but how can we be a great partner to um, to our reinsurance mm-hmm. partners who are supporting us? Are there any reliable rules of thumb you found in your research showing um, how you can take the number of claims that you have before policy end and use that to extrapolate how much more you'll get on that liability side? Yeah, you can. And I think that, that you know you can you can predict that out. Um, I think one of the things that just the insurance market in general is adapting to is um insurance has been a very consistent steady industry so the way that they do that is actuaries will look at 20 plus years of data and use that 20 mm-hmm. years plus years of data to predict the future right yeah um so those are the triangles you know that, that, that most people use the discussions that we have to have is you know we might be talking to somebody about our liability tail right well mm-hmm. if you look at our liability tail over the last two years we've probably made you know a dozen plus real improvements where we've said, okay, we're updating our underwriting, we're updating the way that we think about this risk. And so we have sort of a go forward as if, if you will, that's very different based on all those changes. And so it becomes a discussion around, they're going to apply the backward 20, 20 year looking more than we're going to apply the go forward of, well, understand the impact of all these changes. So therefore, 
um, the future is going to actually act differently than the past, right? That is something that is, I think, the crux of, of, of the conversation when you have a newer player like us who doesn't have as much history. Um, and it's not just, it's not just in sure techs, right? You know, I think you see, you know, new programs popping up all the time. So they have the same challenge. Um, but we're doing it in a very different way. Um, we're using different data. We're making changes, um, on a more regular basis. So that's just a different, um, I think, you know, paradigm that, you know, kind of the, the reinsurers, risk capital takers and insurance are adapting to. And I think you're seeing some be more receptive. And my belief is those who are more receptive, and I understand this is an entirely self-serving comment, but I truly believe this. Those who are more adaptive now are going to have a really big um, lead on the learning curve to yeah. those that are sort of still sitting on the sidelines. And ultimately, those reinsurers, mm -hmm. those risk capital takers will see great benefit from this in five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, people get the causality backwards of that. I get that a lot. People are like, well, of course you believe in open APIs. That's what your product happens to have. I'm like, did you think maybe I started the company because I believe in open right. APIs and right. they didn't just fall right. from the sky. And I'm like, open APIs. Yeah. I better mm -hmm. say that's a good thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> causality works the other way. <laughs> well, I think that's right. And I think that that's where in what you're doing and what we're doing, like I always try to get people to the substance of, you know, well, they, cause I can't tell you how many people, Come to me and say, "Well, you're uh, you must be doing machine learning." I'm like, "No, we're not doing machine learning." Yeah, we don't, I get we don't that enough, too. We don't have enough data yet. We haven't written enough policies. Um, that's actually not yeah. what we're really trying to do. Like right now, if you look at our core from an underwriting perspective, what are we really great at? Yeah. We're great at classifying the business right, mm -hmm. and we're great at ensuring that we get the rating variables, those things that matter to ensure that you're getting properly paid for the risk you're yep. taking. That's what we focus on. We use third yep. party to, to, to verify that. We use models to verify yep. that, where if somebody's underreporting their business personal property, mm -hmm. and it might be, um, look, you have two scenarios there. One is they're doing it because they know it's going to lower their premium. The other is it's just an honest, you know, this is how much I think it is. We have, we have models that say, no, we know that that's wrong. You can't be doing what you're saying with that, right? Or, you know, if that's the case, yeah. your kitchen's 25 years old and we don't think yeah. that's true. And you don't need so, deep learning for this. No, this is just, <laughs> yeah. it's very yeah. practical usage of yeah. data and technology to really hone in on those things that matter. Um, yeah. And so I, I think that um, those that are receptive to that, and if you can get to that level of mm -hmm. conversation with partners, those are the ones that are going to have the advantage because they understand, you know, I'm a big believer. I know you are too. Technology has to be very specific and very purpose driven, right? When you build tech yeah. for tech sake and then try to find a home for it. I don't know. I generally, that doesn't yeah. work. I'm, I'm certainly not smart enough yeah. to figure that out. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's amazing how much innovation is people solving problems that most people think were already solved. Yeah. There's a tendency that you describe what you do and people are like, well, how's that different from everyone else? And they yeah. realize there is no, no one else just because you can think of it. And just because it makes sense, doesn't mean anyone's actually gone out, raised capital, built a team and done it. And right. that disconnect happens a lot. Well, well, that's right. Cause I think that, you know, I mean, I remember I had, I had some kind of, oh shit moments like early on as we, when we started to do a tune and we're getting into this and, and broker after broker telling me that they don't want to do small business. But you have to unpack that. And, you know, I started asking the question is, well, you know, you only want to write $10,000 and above policies. Is that because you completely fill your day with $10,000 and above mm -hmm. policies? 
and you just literally have no space for those? Or is it because mm-hmm. you just haven't found a good enough way to write a $3,000 Bob? Yeah, and go. if you did have a good enough way, do you think you could write more of them? And once we started having those conversations, almost everyone said, well, if I can make money on them, yeah. I can go out in the market and get them. And I would definitely do it. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's like you said, it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. The problem wasn't solved. It just wasn't. It wasn't being focused on, and it wasn't being addressed the yeah. right way. Tell you know, at a tune, we made that our sole problem to solve. Once we figured that out, literally, you know, when we were fifteen people, it was fifteen people's yeah. job to solve that. When we were a hundred people, it was a hundred people's job to solve that. Right? It's still our job yeah. to solve it today. Yeah. Sometimes the company isn't figuring out what needs to be done. It's just taking what everyone knows needs to be done and actually being the one to do it. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And doing it the right way. Yeah, totally agree. So you, you've got quite a product suite here. I'm wondering how do you like starting on day one, like how did you go from, how did you decide what to do first? Because you've got customers that expect to have, you know, a nice complete product suite. And how did you think think about that? We started with, with, with a bot policy because we just thought like, I, I talk about main street, small businesses. So if you go to kind of any town in America and you kind of walk down main street, you're going to see retail stores, you're going to see restaurants, you're going to see the flower shop. Um, and we wanted to have a product to serve them. And that really is what a, what a business owner's policy, a bot policy is meant to do. It's a bundle of property and liability. Um, once we had that, we um, the next place to go would be workers' comp, right? So you know these small businesses all have employees. Excuse me, you need to have workers' comp insurance. So I would say that those are the the, the fundamental mm-hmm. sort of levers we have. Um, we've you know added things to uh, our comp policy. Uh, sorry, our, our bot policy, like an excess policy. We had that, which is which is good. We um, we we now have a cyber product because we think that cyber is a really emerging important um, uh, you know coverage that all small businesses need. They're not all getting it today, or they're not all getting the right level of coverage. Um, and that's something that's uh, you know really uh, exciting about you know being part of coalition now um, that we can. Sounds offer. like what you're saying. You let the customers lead the way is what I heard you say earlier. Um, yeah, you just need, you need a good solid place to start. That place was bought. Right. And so we, we started there, we thought it was a good anchor product, and then we've just been trying to complement it. Um, we really ask our brokers, I mean, we've done these surveys, you know, many times, but, you know, what's the, what's the biggest gap you have, right? Because the other thing about serving through the broker is we don't have to give them everything, right? If we can do a couple things well, they'll come to us for the things that we do well. Um, you know, in risk-based businesses, you always want to get kind of that, that first look. Um, and then like, you know, we didn't have a GL product for a while. Okay. Well, if you have a business that just needs a GL product, we're not going to be your solution, but the broker will go to somebody else. Um, now we have that product. So, you know, we hope we can, we can help our brokers there too. So yeah, it's really just been, um, find a good place to start. Um, we, we built our technology in a very sort of purposeful way where, um, I know I've talked to you about this, you know, this way better than me. (laughs) Um, and, and what you, you all built is, is, is much more probably robust than what we've built, but it was never a bot platform, right? It was how do yeah. we build a platform that's going to be multi-layered in a series of sort of independent mm-hmm. microservices that can be called or not called so we can issue small business insurance, right? I think that's different than, you know, you have some legacy carriers who might have a bot stack and then they have a, a workers' comp mm-hmm. stack. And yep. Yeah, we see it all. We see it all the uh, time. So, um, so to maintain. yeah, I think from day one, we just, you know, we're, we're really focused on ensuring that whether we were talking about the portal layer or we talking the back end layer, our policy admin systems, 
like these need we need to build this in a way that mm-hmm. it is small business insurance holistically and it's not about property or liability or, or any specific coverage yep and i've had the pleasure of um being with azim on several times that's a a great guy you've got there figuring out your um your your, your tech yeah. stack the, the, you know uh you, you know luck is luck and timing is is i think a huge uh, ingredient of being successful in most startups and um, I was incredibly lucky to find Azim and, and, um, Great guy. you know, I was, I was, I was very clear when, when, when we were getting going, um, as, as starting a company, like the biggest thing I needed was a technical partner. Um, you know, and, um, I just, uh, was lucky enough to convince Azim, um, to, to join us. And as you said, the rest is, the rest is just Azim. I just, <laughs> yeah. I just stay out of the way. <laughs> That's the Azim show. Um, Let's see. Final question for you then is, wow, the time went by fast. Um, so I'm kind of curious uh, what's next, but specifically for anyone listening who's um, finds what you're saying compelling, wants to talk to you. Um, what sorts of things are you looking for? Are they a key hires you're looking for or um, key partners or um, what sorts of folks give a shout out? Would you like to meet with? Yeah, well, uh, appreciate it. And I, I guess I'll say thank you before, before ending on that. You know, I was asked, um, oh, gosh, this had been with the, the pandemic probably a couple of years ago, uh, you know, who's who's your ideal customer? And I, I said, mm-hmm. the one who's not on the Attune platform, um, you know, so, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I think any any broker who happens to stumble upon this, who uh, really wants to have a better way to serve your small businesses in your community, yeah. would, would, would love to hear from you. Um, and make money on three thousand dollar policies. That's right. We will. We will help you. Serve, we'll help you serve your customer and, and make money. Um, and then, look, as far as uh, the team goes, um, you know, we're really lucky to be part of Coalition now. Um, that was something that happened last year. Um, yeah. And so, you know, uh, across sort of our side of the business on uh, on the Attune side, but Coalition holistically, um, you know, we're just we're continuing to grow. We have a really unique set of products, um, whether it's on the cyber and professional line side or, or the BOP and the PNC side. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we have a huge mission. Um, we're, we're not even, you know, we're just getting started. And so I think, um, you know, this, I'm sure it's the same for your company, Dan, like, you know, the team, the people are the foundation. Um, and we've just been really fortunate to be able to have some some great people early on and as we continue to grow the company. So I would just check, I would encourage anyone who, who wants to be part of it to, to check out um, Coalition or the Attune website and, and, and go from there. Great. James is a great guy. I've known him for quite a while. So um, for everyone listening, I think um, it'd be a, a great place to be. Uh, thank you so much for the time. It's been great having you here and great catching up with you. It's been too long. Dan, it's been awesome. Thank you very much. And I, uh, I look forward to seeing you in person very soon. Indeed. All right. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of MGA Founders Podcast, brought to you by Socotra, the policy administration system modern enough to power today's most innovative insurtechs. Visit Socotra.com forward slash MGA to see why more insurtechs trust Socotra than any other core platform. You'll find links to future episodes in today's show notes. Thank you for listening, and make sure to subscribe and help us out with the review.